Welcome back, my yoga friends. It's awesome that you continue to tune in and expand your knowledge to grow your yoga practice. And if this is the first time you've listened to the Yoga Discovery Podcast, hello and greetings. I'm Brenda C. Epley from Green Tree Yoga of PA, and you are listening to the Yoga Discovery Podcast that I specifically created for students who want to deepen their understanding of words they may hear in a yoga class. Teachers often don't have time to explain words in the middle of class. So, in short episodes, I'll tackle some of the Sanskrit terms you may hear along with yoga traditions, philosophy, and other topical points of information. Today, we turn our attention to the breath. Critical to living, it's interesting how little we think about our breath. Yet, without it, our bodies cease to exist. You might be surprised that most of us breathe in such a way that isn't optimal for our health or well-being. Yoga, since the earliest historical references from thousands of years ago, recognizes the importance of breath upon the functions of our mind and body. Yet we barely give it a thought because breathing is largely an unconscious thing that we just happen to do. As adults and on average, we take between 17,000 to 23,000 breaths every 24 hours. And if you aren't breathing optimally, that's a huge number of breaths that can negatively impact your daily life. Before I began my yoga practice, I could be tossed in with those who did not breathe optimally. To understand what I mean, let's start by visualizing a baby when it's breathing. What part of the baby's body do you first see rise with the inhale? A baby naturally breathes into the area of the abdomen on the inhale. This natural way of bringing oxygen into the body is through diaphragmatic breathing. The diaphragm is located just below your lungs. In your mind, picture pouring water into a flower vase. The water starts to first fill the bottom of the vase and moves upward. So does the natural breath. It first fills up the diaphragm, then moves upward on the inhale. On the exhale, the flow is reversed. Our breath is the manifestation of all that we are, yet we don't often stop to think about how we breathe. Unlike babies, many adults breathe into the upper chest, often lifting the sternum or shoulders on the inhale. It's easy to see this type of breathing in other people. The vast majority of people don't need to lift the sternum or chest to breathe. So why don't adults breathe as they did when they were babies? Poor breathing habits can be a result of several things. Tight clothing, for example, that restricts the expansion of the diaphragm forces the air into the upper chest. High degrees of stress, fear, and anxiety are reflected in shallow breathing that, over time, become habitual. And poor posture, interestingly, can also lead to upper chest and shallow breathing. Stop for a moment and think about how you breathe, particularly when you're anxious or stressed out or when something upsets you a great deal. In those moments, your mind is no doubt racing and your emotions are leading the charge. The heart rate starts to elevate and you might start to perspire. Breathing reflects what's happening with your mind and your breath and your body. Now, imagine if you could, at will, 
eliminate those wild and seemingly out-of-control thoughts. If you could slow down your heart rate, and fairly quickly too, think of what would happen. I believe that we can universally all agree that clear thinking and a reduction in stress is very desirable for all of us. The impact of optimal breathing habits can be observed by examining the research of the Prison Yoga Project. Many studies have been conducted that track the impact of yoga and yogic breathing on prison inmates. I encourage you to research the Prison Yoga Project that brings trauma-informed yoga to prisons. Numerous studies have tracked inmates who have a regular yoga practice. These inmates and former inmates speak to their ability to use the breath to be less reactive and respond to negative impulses with a state of calm and clarity. When they encounter conflict, they use the breath in such a way that moves the response of their nervous system from sympathetic to parasympathetic. The sympathetic nervous system is our fight-or-flight response that triggers the flow of adrenaline and leads to a rapid heart rate and shallow chest breathing. In contrast, the parasympathetic nervous system signals rest and digest. In essence, it is a relaxed state that is free of stress. The sympathetic nervous system is a warning system that often keeps us safe. If you're walking in the woods in Pennsylvania, for example, and you hear the sound of a rattle, well, the, the sympathetic nervous system will kick in and you'll want to move away from the poisonous snake on the other end of the rattle as quickly as possible. Rattlesnakes, believe me, are no joke in Pennsylvania. However, if you find yourself in the middle of a heated argument and the sympathetic nervous system starts to activate, meaning that your heart rate escalates, you begin sweating and, and you feel yourself becoming reactive, you can effectively and consciously redirect your physical response to the parasympathetic nervous system. By doing so, you'll move away from the fight or flight response. Your heart rate will decrease, your breathing will be deeper, and your thoughts will be much clearer. I'd like to share this quote from inmate M.V. of the R.J. Donovan State Prison in San Diego, California. MV states, quote, every breath is an opportunity to be better, and yoga pushes me to realize that I have millions of alternatives to help myself and others, end quote. The next time you find yourself in a very stressful moment, note what is happening with your heart rate and your breath and pay attention to your thoughts. This begs the question about how we can move voluntarily into a parasympathetic state. Back to the way babies breathe. I've already stated that diaphragmatic breathing is optimal. Whereas chest breathing is shallow and often rapid, diaphragmatic breath is efficient and natural. Before I explain how to breathe diaphragmatically, we need to look first at the word prana. Let's break it down so we understand the origin of the word just a bit better. Prana in Sanskrit is your vital life force, and unlike simple air, prana is an intelligent energy that surrounds and manifests itself in all beings. Prana moves in the body in an upward direction. The downward movement of energy is apana and usually happens on the exhale of the breath. 
For my history-loving friends who may be listening, the word prana is first mentioned in the Vedic texts approximately 3,000 years ago that I discussed in my History of Yoga podcast. In the Bhagavad Gita, we learn about breath control in chapters 4, verse 29. And of course, in the Yoga Sutras, Patanjali refers to the aspects of the breath, stating the importance of pranayama in pada, meaning chapter 2, sutra 5. I want to emphasize that diaphragmatic breathing is not a breathing exercise, but the natural and healthy way to breathe. In diaphragmatic breath, the inhales and exhales are even in length and without pauses. When you breathe into the diaphragm, the abdomen rises and moves away from the navel as the lungs expand. Your lungs actually have greater capacity to expand in diaphragmatic breathing. So what are the benefits of diaphragmatic breathing? Well, it improves the quality of sleep. I end my days with a focus upon diaphragmatic breath, which sets me up beautifully for restful sleep. Diaphragmatic breath also expands the capacity of the lungs, calms the mind, reduces high blood pressure, and cognitive abilities improve. Imagine using your breath for clear thinking to support every single one of these benefits. To say it's as simple as breathing is actually true. What happens when you don't breathe diaphragmatically? Shallow chest breathing can lead to headaches and decreased lung function and a host of other physical and potential psychological issues. So how do you breathe diaphragmatically? Remember the vase I mentioned at the beginning of the podcast. In diaphragmatic breathing, you'll move the prana into your body on the inhale just as the vase was first filled from the bottom with water. Come to a comfortable and stable seated posture that you can maintain for a few minutes to start. Use props to find comfort. This is very important. When you are uncomfortable, your mind will wander and it becomes easy to move into chest breathing, which you've already learned is not what we want to do. Breathing through the nose is what we are aiming for, unless a physical blockage forces you to breathe through the mouth. The nose is best for regulating the breath and traps particles and impurities while warming the breath. When you first start diaphragmatic breathing, closing the eyes can be very helpful. Later, when your breathing naturally uh, becomes habitual, your eyes can be open. Start by placing one hand on your abdomen and the other on your upper chest. Begin by noticing the way that you breathe. On the inhale, which is moving, the stomach or the chest. Move your next inhale into the abdomen area so you feel the hand begin to lift with the breath. As you exhale, imagine drawing the navel backwards and upwards to the spine. If you are breathing diaphragmatically, the hand on the upper chest and your shoulders will not move. Once you understand where to inhale and how to exhale, the breath should be deep, smooth, even, and continuous and quiet. I'll explain these five qualities of the breath. Deep breathing does not mean that you are exerting more effort. Rather, deep refers to a drawing of the pranic energy deeply into the body. Smooth is the continuous feel of the breath. This is what you should be working towards without any pauses. 
even refers to the inhale and exhale that should both be the same length. This is very important. Remember that sometimes people breathe diaphragmatically, but they don't always take full breaths. Continuous breath is unbroken, flowing from the inhale to the exhale. Finally, diaphragmatic breath is quiet, which is very helpful when we need to turn our minds to a one-pointed focus and avoid scattered thoughts. Again, deep, smooth, even, continuous, and quiet. I also encourage you to try diaphragmatic breath in crocodile pose during which your inhale will push your abdomen into your mat. For beginning students, it can sometimes be easier to understand the feeling of the rising abdomen through crocodile. And if you're a shallow breather and you're finding it difficult to make the breath smooth, even, and continuous, you may need to build the strength of the diaphragm, which is a muscle. This can be done by breathing into resistance. Yoga studios often have sandbags that are sized and shaped for this purpose by placing the weight of an appropriate sandbag on the region of the diaphragm, you will build the muscles through the inhale that will take more effort due to the weight of the sandbag. Over time, as the muscle builds, you'll be able to take much deeper, smoother, and continuous breaths. The beauty of diaphragmatic breathing is that you can do it anywhere. This is a perfect example of what is meant by taking your yoga practice off the mat and into your daily life. Once you understand and have tried diaphragmatic breath in yoga class or at home, try it again when you're alone in your car, sitting in traffic, and you're late for work or a meeting. And you don't have to be seated to practice diaphragmatic breath. You can breathe diaphragmatically when you're standing while in a conversation with someone, and they won't be able to tell what you're doing. Again, when you find yourself in the midst of a difficult conversation, try practicing diaphragmatic breath and notice what it does to your heart rate and response to the situation. One of the many proven benefits of breath work is the ability to calm the mind and manage stress. Emotions impact our breath, but we can use the breath to effectively redirect our emotions. Let's talk about pranayama, which is two Sanskrit words combined into one word. As a reminder, prana is your vital and intelligent life force. The yamas are the first of the eight limbs of yoga and refer to the practice of restraint or control. In effect, Pranayama is the restraint or control of pranic energy. Without complicating things too much, it is important to note that the word ayama translates to extension or stretch or elimination. So pranayama can also mean extending the pranic energy. Well, that can seem confusing, right? <laughs> to simplify and for the interest of this introductory podcast, Pranayama focuses on our intention to direct the intelligent energy with purpose. In pranayama, we regulate and alter the depth, speed, and consistency of the breath, sometimes including pauses. Pranayama is of paramount importance to yoga and is the fourth limb of the eight limbs of yoga. When breath is controlled and directed, the mind follows because the breath is the bridge between the body and mind. 
So think of pranayama as the necessary tool that unites what you are doing physically with the mind. Also, I want to be very clear, diaphragmatic breathing is not pranayama. Rather, diaphragmatic breath, again, your natural breath, provides a solid foundation that prepares you for pranayama. Before moving into any pranayama practice, it is highly recommended that you have a very strong and established diaphragmatic breath. Common pranayama practices that you might encounter in a yoga class are ujjayi breath and nadi shodhana. If you've ever heard someone in class who sounds like Darth Vader, it's most likely ujjayi breathing, which is commonly heard in ashtanga or vinyasa classes. When new students first hear someone practicing ujjayi and have no knowledge of what it is, they're often very surprised by what they're hearing. At Just Plain Yoga, a studio where I used to practice regularly, there was a student who had the most beautiful ujjayi breath that was incredibly smooth and calming. Whenever I entered the practice space, I would always try to place my mat near him just for the benefit of the communal experience that comes from listening to a group of yogis all practicing ujjayi. It is incredibly calming and a very, very powerful tool to bring you to one-pointed focus. If the reference point of Darth Vader breathing doesn't work for you, ujjayi can also sound like rolling ocean waves. The Sanskrit word ujjayi translates to victorious breath. I've heard some teachers refer to it as warrior breath. It is believed that this type of pranayama improves concentration and focus, introduces more oxygen to the bloodstream, and slows the heart rate. Different yoga traditions introduce or include ujjayi at different moments of the yoga practice. Nadi Shodhana is alternate nostril breathing that helps to bring balance to the prana that flows through the energy channels along the spine that enter and exit through the nostrils. Nadi translates to energy or flow, and Shodhana means purification or cleansing. Nadi Shodhana releases toxins and rejuvenates the nervous system and leads to balance within the respiratory system. It's also used to prepare the mind for meditation. There are several variations to practicing Nadi Shodhana, but it is never really practiced in the middle of asana movement. You will usually encounter Nadi Shodhana at the beginning of class or near the end of class. In Nadi Shodhana, you inhale and exhale through one nostril at a time and alternate the pattern. A few examples of other pranayama are Kapalabhati, Bhakstrika, and Durga. Different yoga traditions incorporate pranayama differently into the practice. For example, the Himalayan tradition believes that a quiet breath reflects a quiet state of mind. In contrast, if you've practiced Baptiste yoga, you no doubt heard teachers encouraging students to vocalize the exhale of the breath throughout asanas. And in the Iyengar tradition, students are encouraged to have a very strong asana practice first before introducing pranayama. And in Kundalini yoga, pranayama is commonly in the spotlight during practice. I want to emphasize that when you're ready to introduce pranayama into your practice, it's very important to work with an experienced teacher. Without fully understanding how to practice pranayama, you might very well end up doing more harm than good and develop poor breathing habits that will be difficult to break. Worse, practicing pranayama improperly can lead, among other things, to 
dizziness, headaches, restlessness, and body aches. As with any type of physical activity such as yoga, it is always advised that students with underlying health conditions first consult with their physician before beginning pranayama. One question that often arises in the mind of yoga students is knowing when to breathe in an asana practice. Usually, your teacher will provide instructions. In general, exhale on rotations. Inhale when lengthening. When closing, exhale, and when opening, inhale. We exhale when contracting and inhale when releasing. Hopefully, this will provide some sort of guidance for you. As students, we often bring what's happening in our day into the practice space. Maybe you're rushing in from a tedious work commute, or you're experiencing tensions that arise over relationship issues, or you have a long list of to-do items. Yoga teachers teach you to redirect your thoughts into a one-pointed focus, and the breath is the channel to quiet the mind so that you're fully present for your practice. Combined with asana and meditation, pranayama, like diaphragmatic breathing, establishes the habit of a balanced breath that supports the effective and easy movement of pranic energy throughout the body and mind, thereby reducing or eliminating stress and tension and anxiety. Ultimately, practicing this trifecta of asana, meditation, and pranayama will firmly plant you onto the pathway towards self-fulfillment, clarity, and peace. Remember, you want to break old and harmful habits, creating space for new and supportive habits. Now it's time for you to make space for focusing upon examining and strengthening your breathing habits. I hope today's podcast clarified diaphragmatic breathing and pranayama for you enough that you're excited about the benefits and will begin to make changes to the way that you breathe. Thank you for listening to the Yoga Discovery Podcast. I'm Brenda Siepley of Green Tree Yoga of PA, and I ask you that if you find the podcast to be helpful, please share with others. I'm a yoga teacher because I've seen the profoundly positive impact that yoga has upon our global activity. So I appreciate you sharing the love of yoga and the Yoga Discovery Podcast with others. And if you have a subject or topic you would like me to consider for a future podcast, or just want to send a, hey, Brenda, <laughs> please email me at greentreeyogaofpa at gmail.com. Learn more about Green Tree Yoga at green-tree-yoga.com. Wherever you are, may your days ahead be filled with peaceful serenity. Until next time.